I am excited to be here and to finish up the third week of our series, Uncharted Territories. This was a series that we hadn't planned out very long ago, and uh, we were just feeling a need to, to put this here, so we ended up moving another series to later in the year and putting this series here. And I didn't know when we started it how, how important it would be to our church. And if you've been to our church for a long time, I will reference a sermon series that I preached in January of 2012 quite often because as we preach through that series, things, uh, we, it, it, things begin to happen that we talked about in that series that we didn't know if they'd ever happen. And we just, we just begin to talk, this is our dream for the church. I just become lead pastor and we're just talking through, you know, what is, what is it that we're, that we're going after and that we hope that God will do in our house and in this church. And we begin to see over the years those things happening. As we got into the series, and even the first week I preached it, and, and as I was in Londonderry last week listening to Pastor Andrew, Pastor Andrew preach, there was, there was something that was in my heart, and there's been something that I'd been thinking about even the day before. I'd, um, I, I was thinking about it. We went to Pastor Chris's house, and so it's a long drive to his house. And I was thinking about something the whole, the whole trip, and then when I got there, I talked with uh, Chris about it, and then on the way home, I talked with my wife about it, and then when Pastor Andrew preached on Sunday morning, it was like, wait a minute, this is not something that's far off, this is something for next week. So what I'm sharing with you, and what we're going to preach about today, is um, this is not something that we've planned for a long time, it's not something that we've orchestrated for a long time, it's something that's been in my heart for a long time. But just even last week as Pastor Andrew preached, it was just a clarity. No, now's the time to speak this into existence. And what we're talking about is, you know, uncharted territories for you, but really something that's uncharted for us. So we're going to be in that. And I want to encourage you and invite you to grab your Bibles right now, um, a physical copy of the Bible. You can use it on your phone. I want you to participate with me. When we read the Bible every week. I want you to participate in, in that. I know I've got it on the screen here, and so it's just as easy for you to, to, to just look at it here. But I want you if, you, if you have it in your hand, it gives you an opportunity to highlight something. It gives you an opportunity to take notes. And we just believe that I'm not up here just to speak to you, but during these moments, God wants to speak to you. And so when he does that during the message, and all of a sudden, something triggers something in you, like it did for me last week, you're able to write it down and say, and, and even just sometimes it's a question, God, I feel like this point resonated with me. What is it that you're trying to speak to me through it? And we're putting ourselves in a position to allow God to change us and transform us, not to show up at church every week. We're putting ourselves in a position to know Jesus, to love Jesus and follow him, not to be religious people. Our goal is not to just show up at church and go home and feel good about ourselves. Our church is, our, our plan is to show up. And for those of you who've never heard about Jesus, our hope is that you hear about him and that you'll be drawn to him and you'll, and you'll make a decision to follow him. For those of you who've been, have been following Jesus for a long time, you come, you're equipped, um, God moves in your heart, you are, enjoy worshiping God with, with other believers, but then when you walk home from here, you're not done, but that just is part of your life, everyday life. We want you to be in a place and for you to just say, I'm not showing up at church to spectate. I'm showing up at church to be used by God 
I'm showing up at church to be transformed by God. I'm showing up at church to be blessed by God. I'm showing up at church to bless God, to bless Him with my worship, with my, uh, you know, by listening to to His Word and by allowing Him um, access to my heart and ability to change me. We in this series, the first week of the series, we talked about going places we've never gone before. How when the early church started after Jesus left, they, their ministry focused on Jerusalem and they weren't leaving, even though God had said, as soon as you receive the Holy Spirit, go into all the world. They didn't do that. It wasn't until great persecution rose up against the church that they began to scatter. And then Jerusalem itself was destroyed in 70 AD. And so they were forced at that point. Uh, they, they went across the, the entire known world. And Jesus, in the same way, has called us. We live under that same, uh, that, that same opportunity that he gave the disciples, go into all the world and, and, and make disciples, go into all the world and share my good news with people, teach them how to follow me. And those of us who have made the decision to follow him, teach them how to continue following me, that they'll become more and more like me. And this is what we've been called into. And we don't want to be, uh, we don't, we want to make sure that as individuals, not as a, as a church, we're always open to going to the places we've never been before to do the things God's calling us to do. Whether that's being multiple services in a location, whether that's being a church that has uh, multiple locations in New Hampshire, which we do as we're in Plymouth, or in London area, good morning to them as they join us in with us on this service. And then we, and we have another fourth location that's um, in, in Milton that will be opening um, uh, several months from now. Construction has started there, so you just get an update. It's already looking good, and, um, and we're excited about that. But a challenge always is going to be as individuals and as a church is to say, this is good enough. I like this. I want to stay here. Well, we have to, we have to be willing to go places we've never gone before. If you just think about, for those of you who are married, just in a positive, just in a, a positive way, you can enjoy your marriage, you can love your spouse, but you know what? There is even greater things. Your relationship can, can, can become even greater. As you just, and, and so you don't just set like, this is good enough. I don't need my marriage to be any better than this. We're just going to settle here. Why would you do that when there are, greater things to experience, greater joys, greater depth of, of, of understanding and love and intimacy that you, can, that you can know and enjoy. We don't want to hold back because we like what we have. We want to go ev- after everything that God has for us. Last week, Pastor Andrew preached and um, uh, summarized the entire message as this. Um, we're going to reach people we've never reached before. So we're going to go places we've never gone. Why? For the heck of it? No. Because it's, our, it's, our, it's the opportunity that Jesus has called us into to share his good news with people who have never heard it before, to reach people who have never been reached before. And, uh, and so to the best of our ability, we're doing that. Um, we can think everybody already knows. No, everybody doesn't know. But we can, we're not going to go into it, but 
we have stories from people we've met in this community who didn't know what a church was, who didn't know what a pastor was, who have some vague understanding of who Jesus is, but they don't know his story that we're celebrating at Easter next week. They have no idea. They just, it's, it's another one of some religious historical guy who died a long time ago. We get the opportunity to share that with them. Your life's been changed. Uh, teenagers at youth convention, women at the women's getaway that, this, that was this weekend, some of you at worship night last Sunday night, your life's been changed. And we get the opportunity to share that story with people who've never been able to hear a testimony before. You think about people who've heard about Jesus, but how many people have heard uh, 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 an, uh, a witness's account? Hey, can I tell you how he's changed my life? How many people have never heard that before? And we get the opportunity to share that with them, to reach people we've never reached before. And as we do this, as we go places we've never gone before, as we reach people we've never reached before, this is what's going to happen for you. This is what's going to happen for us. We're going to see miracles we've never seen before. We're going to see God do amazing things that we've never seen before. And this is, a, this is an exciting moment for us, not just because we want to see miracles, but as we'll continue on, because there's something greater than that. Most of us, when we talk about miracles, we really, um, we're, coming, we're coming from this, this vantage point. They're, we're, they're miracles of desperation. Uh, it sounds much more negative than it is, but if you've heard of miracles, you've talked about miracles, or you've experienced a miracle, most of the time it's coming from that vantage point. It is the, if God doesn't intervene, um, immediately we're in big trouble. So miracles of desperation, there's not enough money in the bank account, and the mortgage payment's coming due, or someone's sick, and God, we need a financial miracle. And it's a desperation. God, we need you to do something. We need you to do something now. It could be a relational miracle. God, she's on her way to get divorce papers. God, that, that child's on its way to run away with, with a boyfriend. We need you to immediately, desperately do something to change this situation. So we, sometimes we find ourselves in a place like that, and, uh, and then even physically. God, we've gotten this. The doctor's given us this death sentence. We need a healing the only victory we can have over this comes from you. It's a miracle of desperation. There are, there's nothing wrong with being in that place. And praise God, God is a miracle worker. He will do the impossible. He can change, uh, he can change an entire situation in one moment. But there's another type of miracle that we don't, maybe we don't think about and maybe we don't pursue these are miracles of action. That when you start doing something, God does miracles because you started doing things. And if you're going to places he wants you to go, and if you're reaching the people he wants you to reach, then you'll see miracles you've never seen before because it's action. It's God, you've called us to do this. We're going to go after this. We don't know how. We don't know how we'll afford it. We don't know how it can happen. But we know you've called us to do this step. So we're going after it. And when you're doing that, when, you do, when you're obedient to what he's called you to, to do, and you're obedient to the mission he's called you to be on, then he begins to do miracles to help you to accomplish what he's called you to do. We want to be in that place. 
to see him do miracles we've never seen before because we're doing what he's called us to do. If you've got your Bibles, it's Acts chapter 19. We're going um, to read a, 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 big, a, a few verses here, and then uh, you can stay there because we'll be looking at another verse or two at the end of the message from the same chapter. And what we're about to read is, uh, this is about 54 AD, and uh, Christianity has been intense persecution for just about over a decade now. And the guy we're reading about, Paul, he was one of the people who helped really kind of start that persecution. He was helping to raise up mobs against Christians. He was helping to get them arrested. He was helping to get them to death penalty until his life was changed. And then he went as far as he could as fast as he could, to share his testimony, to share his story and his experience, and to tell people um, about Jesus, that they would make a decision to follow him as well. So again, talking about miracles, let's start reading at verse number eight. So Paul is in a city called Ephesus, and he went to the synagogue, and he preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. They went on, excuse me, this went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, and this is Turkey, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. Verse number 11, look at this. It says, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Verse number 12 shows us how unusual it was. It says, when handkerchiefs or aprons had merely, that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits will, were expelled. All right, look back up at me. Um, Paul, as you study his life, and even as you see right now, as he's preaching. He's not in Jerusalem. He's, he, he's in modern-day Turkey in, in a city called, at that time, it was called Ephesus. He went places he'd never, he, he'd never been before. He, you know, he was, he was born and grew up and trained in, um, in Jerusalem in that area, but now here he is preaching in Ephesus. Then even where he preached was different. He was, he was, he was going from synagogue to synagogue trying to help Jewish people to realize that Jesus is the one they've been praying for. He's the Messiah they've been waiting for. And, and sharing about his, his resurrection and about how Paul's own life was, how his life was transformed. He'd been preaching in the synagogues, but here now, because after three months, pe people are just being stubborn and not listening, and they're, and they're like, like whatever, throwing up their hand at him. He began to preach in a lecture hall of a school. Just saying, hey, I don't have to preach in synagogues. I'm going to preach wherever people want to listen. And so again, he was going places he never went before. Then he was reaching people that had never been reached before. And we see in verse number 10, he was reaching both Jews and Greeks. It wasn't just a message that just religious people, Jewish people, were hearing and receiving, but even those who had no who had no Jewish background, who had definitely had no Christianity background, they were 
hearing about Jesus and they were becoming believers and they were making a decision to follow him. And then, because he's going places he's never gone before, because he's reaching people that's never been reached before, he began to see miracles he had never seen before. And really, the church was seeing dramatic miracles. But in verse number 11, pull that back up, it says, God gave him the power to perform unusual miracles. The English Standard Version, which is another way to translate this from its original language, says that God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. Because Paul was doing the things God had called him to do. God was doing unusual, peculiar, spectacular miracles through him and because of his obedience. There are, um, the, there are miracles of desperation, but then there are miracles of action. And prayerfully, you know what our hope is? We're never, we, we are, prayerfully our hope is we're never in a place where we need a miracle of desperation. Honestly, we don't, it, we want to live in the blessing of God where we never have to experience that. We live in divine health. We never experience any major medical emergency. We live in, 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 in divine blessings that we never live in a financial miracle. We live, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're becoming more like Christ. We're never in need of a relational um, miracle. So really, our hope is we never need a miracle of desperation, but if we do, we know the God who hears our prayer. But conversely, miracles of action, that's different. There's a leaning in on that. And it's a, man, I want that. God, I want to see you move just because I went after the things you had for me. God, I want to see you provide in a way that I, that I didn't think was possible because I made a decision to, to give to kingdom builders. Or I made a decision. God, I want to see you do something in our church because we, we were just going after the things you had for us and we were going after uh, and trying to help people who've never known you, helping them to hear about you and helping them to reach you, to be reached by you. These are miracles, miracles of action, are miracles that God does through you for the benefit of someone else. Again, miracles of desperation, that's a, I need, I need this from you. But a miracle of action says, God, they need this from you. When you're going after trying to help people and then God is using you and using your hands, he's doing it for the benefit of other people that they would, primarily so that they would know that he loves them and he cares about them and also that they would know that he is God and there is no other. We want to be in that place. And I say we, assuming you want to be, but I hope you want to be. I hope that something's in you saying, God, if you can use me, God, if you can use us, God, if you can use our church, please use it. May we see miracles of action. May we see you do things we never even dream about. May we see you do things that are beyond our expectations. May we see you do things because we're doing the things you've told us to do. We're going to be in that place, though, where we, where we see that and we live that and God uses us in that way. There's a couple of things that are important. We need to, uh, if we're going to be used for miracles of action, it takes obedience. I write that down. We, can't, we just can't forget that. and It seems so simple. But here's where it's challenging. 
because God's going to call you to do something before he gives you the ability to do it. He's going to call you to do something before he provides a way for it to happen. So this is why it's so difficult to just follow God in obedience. This is, all right, here's what I want you to do. And then you say, oh, I don't know how it's going to happen. How is it going to happen? He says, well, start to do it, and I'll show you how it's going to happen. And because we end up punching all the numbers, we end up uh, seeing everything it's going to take, we're just like, no, it's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible. I'm not going to do it. And what you've missed is the opportunity to see a miracle of action. Because when you say it's impossible, it's impossible, there's no way I can do it, then you begin to see, well, all right, well, if God's called me to do it, I'm just going to trust him, I'm going to obey him, and I'm going to see him do the things I can't do on my own. Um, this, this is um, an example of this, is one we just came out of a series about, but, but if you think about tithing, we often look at tithing, giving 10% of our income to God and to our church. We think of that as a mathematical problem. We say it just doesn't add up. I can't afford to do it. It doesn't add up. But you've been feeling, some of you were feeling so heavy during that series, but I want to. But I know God wants me to. I have a desire to do it, but I don't know how it's going to happen. And what you begin to do is you have to make it, you have to, if you're going to see God do a miracle of action, then you have to take that step. And when you take that step, then you saw God provide afterward. Then you saw the miracle afterward. But he wanted you to take the step first. And we, call, we kind of come from the other side of it. And we say, hey, I know God wants me to do this. God wants me to tithe. And I really want to do this. So I'm praying and believing that God's going to increase my income by 10%. And that's going to be the sign that I'll do it. But well, it'll never, ever work that way. If you're going to see a miracle of action, it always takes obedience first. He's spoken to you and told you what to do. Now you have to begin to take the steps toward that to do that. Second thing, a miracle of action requires and takes courage. Because if God doesn't intervene, it's going to fail. Sometimes he wants us to fail. He's going to call us into something that will never succeed because it's just a, a development and a refining of our heart that he wants us to have. So we don't fear failure, we, but we recognize, as we, as we talked about before, failure is not our future. So we don't let failure define us. We just learn the lessons God wants, wanted to teach us, and we keep learning those lessons. We keep trying. We keep going after the things he has for us. But you won't know if the miracle will happen until after you step out. So it takes courage to say, all right, here we go. And then, and then wait to see if anything happens. Sometimes it's five steps. Sometimes it's ten steps. Sometimes it's a mile. Sometimes it's months before now God says, all right, watch this. And he does a miracle. But it's very scary to be out there all alone where you're, where you're doing what God's called you to do, but you don't know if, he's actually, if it was actually him yet until he does the miracle end of it. And then if you're going to see a miracle of action, it takes humility. Because if you step out in doing this and you begin to tell God, all right, I know what you've called me to do. I'm going after it. And you're obedient to what he tells you to do. You have courageously stepped out to what, he, what he's called you to do. And then there's a risk. You're going to look like an idiot. 
He's called you to do something, and it's beyond your ability to do yourself. If he doesn't intervene, people are going to make fun of you. Oh, you look at that person. They thought they could start a business. Uh -huh. Your old bosses, they're all talking about you at their lunch while they eat their microwave, uh, microwave lunch. And they're all making fun of you. Ha, ha, ha. We knew they're going to have to come groveling back here for a job. What an idiot. Your family is going to be like, man, they thought. I can't even believe. What, what a moron. I can't even believe. And, and uh, uh, people from church are like, yeah, see, look at them. No one signed up for their circle. They thought they could start a circle. And they never should have left our circle. We're the best circle. And the... And, and, you're, and, and, you're, and you just begin to feel. So what happens is you begin to think through. You're excited. Man, I can't believe God, you're calling me to do this. I can't even believe it. And then you're, you're like, I'm gonna, I, I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to take these steps. So you start writing it down. Here's what I'm going to do first. I'm going to give my two-week notice or, or, or uh, um, I'm going to enroll in this class or I'm going to sign up to, to volunteer or whatever it is. Here's my first step. And then you begin to think, wait a minute, what if it doesn't work through? What if it doesn't work out? What if God doesn't intervene? What if this fails? And all of a sudden now, because we're worried about how we're going to look, and we're worried about what people are going to say about us, we back out. That's, that's pride, right? To be concerned about your name, to be concerned about what people will say about you, that's pride, and pride is sinful, and pride always, always, always steals from you and takes away from what God has for you. We, we have to be in a place where we say, I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about the, what people are going to say about me. I'm going to live out what God's called me to do. If we can take steps of obedience, if we can take steps of courage, if we can, if, if we can, if we can be, and, and, and sometimes battle it every day, but be people of humility, we will, you will see God do miracles of action in your life. He will do things through you for other people around you. He will do things through the, through the church for people around the world. He's going to provide in ways that we're going to stand back and say, oh, my word. God, I can't believe that you've done this. And we've seen it so many times in our life and so many times in our church in the years past. And but now we're kind of a place, again, it's always this challenge where it's comfortable and we like what we have to say, God, I know you've got more. God, I know there's more people you want to reach. God, I know that there's... There's other things you have for us. We don't want to miss out on any of those things. Different times in the Bible, God promised someone a miracle of action, and they would have to take these steps that we're talking about. And what happened? There was a guy named Naaman, and he, he went, and he says, Hey, I need a miracle. I need a miracle. I need a miracle of desperation. And the prophet called him to a miracle of action and said, Hey, go, go dip in the Jordan River. That's unassuming small river. Kind of looks like some of the stream, some of the rivers flowing through the middle of Dover and middle of Rochester. It's not the kinds they swim up with up in Plymouth. Um, you go in, this, go in this river, dip seven times, and you'll be healed. And he's like, That's so stupid. I'm not going to embarrass myself like that. This guy's, this guy is playing a practical joke on me. I'm not going to do it. Wait, he did it. Anyway, and he was healed. There's another guy with leprosy, and Jesus, 
says, hey, why don't you stretch out your hand? He doesn't want to stretch out his hand. He's embarrassed. People are making fun of him. Every time he reaches out his hands to people, people, people like get wide-eyed and they freak out. Like, don't touch me. Get away from me. But yet Jesus is saying, hey, here's a, I'm going to do a miracle. Sure. Well, let's put an action to it. Stretch out your hand toward me. And when he, when he just took, like, when he was obedient and he was courageous and he didn't worry about how others would react around him, he says, all right, what happened is he stretched out his hand, it was healed. And his sickness was healed. We, um, and, and then another one where these guys who were lame, who were disabled their entire life, didn't have wheelchairs, they didn't have medical treatment, they didn't have hope. They had a certificate and ability to, um, uh, to, to be beggars, so legal beggars, but that was their life. And then Jesus shows up and says, hey, pick up your mat and walk. What are they going to do? Get made fun of? Get bullied again? Have people mock them, laugh at them, point at them, spit at them? Like, what do you, stay back down, of course you can't walk, you idiot. But what did he do? They picked up their mat. And what was a step turned into a run, turned into a dance party. I mean, it was Fortnite all over the place. Like, you can't even believe what God has done for me. Listen, we, we want the Fortnite dance parties. We want to just be at the place like, I can't believe God you did it. Come here, you got to hear what God did. And for us to be just saying, listen what he did, listen what he did, listen. And, um, and then obviously when that person picked up their mat and walked, an entire village saw who God was. Entire community saw the goodness and the compassion and the power and the love of Jesus. That's what we want. Verse number 20, as Paul took these steps, as God used Paul in a spectacular way, he says, so the message about the Lord spread wildly and had a powerful effect. This right here, uh, powerful effect, what this can also mean is that the message of the Lord prevailed. It prevailed. Now think about this. We've got to remind ourselves what it was like back then to be a Christian. You had the Roman government who outlawed Christianity and was persecuting. You had the Jewish religion who was, who was persecuting Christianity. And so the two major powers of the day in their region and in that part of the world, one of them, uh, one of them exterminated, just wiped out and done with. But yet, Amidst that pressure and amidst that pain, the word of God prevailed. Prevailed. It outlived the Roman Empire. It's outlived every empire. It will continue going until the day he returns, and it will continue going for eternity. As a church for us, we're, we're a church, we're in New Hampshire, I know some of you live in Maine, some of you probably are commuting from Ontario at this point, but we, as we are a church in New Hampshire, we, there's some realities about being in New Hampshire, so 
Some of you don't know this, but we say it sometimes, you may have heard it before, but um, New Hampshire, currently right now, the least churched state in, in the United States, and, um, and then just kind of going back and forth with Vermont and with Maine. And here in New Hampshire, there are over one million people who, won't, who will not go to any type of church uh, today. Over one million people in New Hampshire. I want to show you just this graph. This was um, from the Gallup poll and just showing, I don't know what you can see, but uh, New, Ham- New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, least church at, you know, 20 to 25%. Um, the most is Mississippi, Alabama, and Utah, and they're at 55 to 60%. It's a big, um, it's a big difference between those two. And we could be in this area... And some people can develop the mentality, oh, I'm the only Christian in my school. I'm the only Christian in my workplace. It's so hard. It's so hard. And, um, but we want to see the same thing that Paul saw. The word of God prevailed. When Paul walked into Ephesus, and he might have had 15 or 5 to 25 people with him, traveling with him, not really sure. As they walked in, what was the percentage of, of church people in Ephesus? Zero percent. But the word of God prevailed. And we want to be in a place in our, in our location, in our community, in our workplace, in our state, where we will see miracles of action, that we will see the word of God. People receive it. Receive him. Have their lives changed by him like ours have been. We, uh, we believe that God has given us a clear assignment to go places we've never gone before and have reached people we've never reached before. We've talked about this for almost a decade now. This is what we want to do. This is what God's called us to do. We don't just want to have a church service. We want to reach people who have never heard about Jesus. We want to share the good news of Jesus. We want to, we want to reach just one more. And, and for those of us who are, who are following Jesus, that we experience and receive everything that he has for us, that we know him and follow him more deeply than we ever have before. This is what we want for us. And we'd be a church who's not just having a church service. We'd be a church who's not doing, just doing good things for community, but that we'd be a church who loves Jesus and is becoming more like him every day. We want this for us. And God's given us this clear assignment. And we have to continue to go after it. We have to continue to say, God, how can you use us to reach Dover? How can you use us to reach Plymouth? How can you use us to reach Londonderry? How can you use us to reach New Hampshire? How can you use us to reach Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine? God, how can you use us to reach the world? To be obedient, to be courageous, to be humble about it, but to go after everything and do everything he's called us to do and to see him provide the miracles every step along the way. And we just can't see how it could possibly happen right now. But we know he's promised it. If you include Vermont and Maine um, to New Hampshire, over 3 million people between our three states not attending any type of church this morning. And some of you, you know that there's churches that don't, they don't, tell, they don't teach you how to follow Jesus. And so we're not even including that percentage. Over 3 million people who 
uh, who aren't in church, and, and church is not the big deal, but because they're not hearing about Jesus. Over three million people, what can we do about it? Our prayer, God, what do you want me to do about it? God, our prayer is, God, what do you want us as a restoration church to do about it? In, in June of 2010, I was on vacation with my family, in-laws, brothers and sister-in-laws, all of her family. We all showed up at this church together. It was in northern New Hampshire, and there was a teenager there that I knew from summer camps. And she was greeting at the front door. Then when service started, she was on the worship team. Then when they dismissed Kids for Children's Church, she went down to the basement, and she was the leader for the kids' church. It was about, um, not including my family, 35 other people there at that service that morning. And as I sat there in the back row, in the pew of that back row, it's just, God put something in me. We need to start Restoration Churches over in New Hampshire. We could have churches of 50 people, but they could be resourced like they were churches of 1,000. That we could do something to make an impact on the, over, or on the 1 million people in our state who aren't hearing about Jesus. They're, they're you know, there are um, pockets of New Hampshire, of multiple cities where, uh, where, where there's not a life-giving, Jesus-preaching, exciting church. And so it's just our prayer since 2010. God, what could you do for us about that? What could be the place we could do? So we know we're going to preach Jesus. We don't want to just talk about God in a way that makes everybody comfortable. We want to make sure we're lifting up high the name of Jesus. People know it's by his name. It's by what he's done on the cross that we can have forgiveness, that we can follow him. And then just as a bigger prayer, we're just trying to figure out, God, how many locations should we have? When should we stop? We're going about to have four. Should we stop there? What happened last weekend and what kind of I've been thinking about, and we were at a conference two weeks ago that this conversation came up. What's our goal? What is it? i just been, God, I don't want a superficial goal. I don't want to just say, Oh, 10 locations because it makes us sound good. I don't want to just say, um, I, I, God, what do you want us to do? And here's, here's what I was just popped in my head last Saturday, you know, uh, eight days ago. And then when Pastor Andrew preached last week, it was, okay, there's clarity behind this. God wants us to talk about this as a church, to go after this as a church. Here's what, I here's what I believe, and, and, and here's what I think that God has for us. If you pull up the picture of that map for me. Just to give you some context, I'm standing right here in the middle of this white dot here in Dover. Um, Milton, when it starts, is going to be up here. We have Plymouth, which is over here in New Hampshire, and Londonderry, which is right over here. But this is just four locations. So I was looking at a map of New Hampshire and praying over a map of New Hampshire like I have done many, many, many times over the last nine years. Here's what I felt. Here's what I felt clarity. It's going to be our objective and our prayer and our pursuit as a church to have a restoration church in every county in New Hampshire. There are 10 counties in New Hampshire. And imagine with me and dream with me as a moment, for a moment, imagine that on one Sunday morning, we could impact an entire state. 
And one Sunday morning, we'd have influence in the entire state of New Hampshire. We would really go places no one else had gone to. You know how many people are planning churches in Coos County? No, no one. No one. That entire county has a population of Dover. It's hard work up there. I've got friends in Lancaster, friends in, in Colebrook. It is hard. It is hard work up there. You know how many people are, are it's just, it, there are, I, I guess our prayer is this, God, if, what if no one goes there? God, what if nobody else cares about them? We want to be a church that cares about them. We want to be a church that does something for them. So this is our prayer. Does this mean we'll never have more than one church in a county? No, we already do. We have Dover and Milton. We're in the same Stratford County. Does this mean we're New Hampshire only? No. If we have opportunity to go to Maine, Massachusetts, Vermont, or even Canada, we'll take those opportunities if we know that it's what God's calling us to do. But in the meantime, our prayer is going to be focused. God, how, how can we, where can we, who can we? And then when God tells us to take a step, we take a step. That's what our prayer is. That's what our heart is. And we're not neglecting Dover or Plymouth or London Dairy because you have an assignment here. You have to step out beyond your cubicle and invite someone to service. Um, we're going to do things we've never done before, like flight nights, uh, all, you know, all kinds of different things that we've got that we're, as we're learning. And um, as Pastor Will leads this location, as Pastor Chris leads um, uh, uh, Plymouth, as we're just in all these places, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're focused. There's places in, in our current community we've never gone before. There are people in our community that don't even know we exist. I want to share Jesus with them. <laughs> verse 19, 20. Chapter 19, verse 20. The message of the Lord spread wildly and had a powerful effect. I want to pray. I want us to pray. Jesus, use us. Use us. We want to be a church where we love each other and we love your word and we're growing in relationship with each other. We're growing in our knowledge and understanding of the word. We're growing in our application of the word. We are growing and becoming more like you. We have a deep relationship with you where our services have a deep experience with you. Even our circles at, in, our, in people's homes, that the, these are deep spiritual experiences, but we don't want to just keep getting achievement medals, like I had another great time where God changed my life. We want other people to experience you and know you the way we have. And so we believe, God, that this is something that you're calling us to do to um, the plant restoration churches throughout New Hampshire, not because we want to have a big church, not because it makes us look cool, but because there are people who've never heard about you. You've called us to go into all the world. You've called us to go into all New Hampshire to, um, to make disciples, to share your good news, to teach people how to follow you, to help people to experience the abundant, overflowing life that you have for us every day. So we, we 
accept what you've called us to do. And show us, God, each individual, what's our part. Is it greeting at the front door? Is it leading a circle? Is it showing up at flight night and inviting people? Show us the part that we have in this that we will see you do miracles that only you can do. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.